0: Welcome to the reading of Dr. Richard Gans's book, Psychobabble, The Failure of Modern Psychology, and the Biblical Alternative, copyright 1993 by Richard Gans. This book is read and distributed with the author's permission. This MP3 audio file is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books, which offers a large selection of free and discounted classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed resources on the web, at swrb.com. We continue our reading on page 101. Chapter 9, Building Up the Body A man and a woman recently left our congregation because they didn't get fellowship. I talked to them about their complaint. They thought the body of Christ existed to serve them. No amount of encouragement succeeded in motivating them to reach out to others. Others were there for them, but this family was never there for others. The family believed its problems were so great that they had no time or energy left to think about others. Nevertheless, the family thought that others should always, if they were loving, be ready to give to them. God created us needing fellowship. He said, It is not good for the man to be alone. Genesis 2.18 Following this pronouncement, God proceeded to make a wife for Adam. Not all Christians marry, but all need, should have, and should seek, fellowship. As we open ourselves to the real needs of others around us, we can receive great blessing. In a community that operates in this way, everyone will be looking out for everyone else. This is the antithesis of looking out for number one. We care for others because we have been touched by God, shown mercy, and seen our guilt and sins washed away. Now we want others to receive that same benefit. Out of gratitude to God, we reach out to our kingdom family and beyond. This motivation can only exist for those who have been converted from death to life in Christ. At conversion, our lives are taken over by a new and glorious person, the Holy Spirit. Even a superficial overview of the fruit of the Spirit reveals what a powerful force we actually have become. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control Galatians 5:22 and 23 These functional realities in the hands of dedicated kingdom workers are incredibly powerful tools for comfort, encouragement, and change. Learning to comfort one another is one of the positive aspects of equipping that takes place in the body. It is putting on the new life in Christ. Paul said Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-5, emphasis mine. We are to follow Paul's example. The fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are not for personal enjoyment, but for the building up of the body of Christ. Each person can extract from his own struggle that which can edify and uplift his brothers and sisters in Christ. To act contrary to what is sinfully natural takes education, an act of the will, and the help of God. It is natural to behave like the family that left our church. In their difficulties that family demanded that the body of Christ serve them. The result was their separation from the body of Christ. It is unnatural and takes deliberate effort to look to the interests of others before our own interests. This does not mean that we are to defer indefinitely dealing with our own problems. Rather, we must not be so intently focused on our own situation that we fail to see those around us who may be facing situations far more serious than our own. Self-deception plays a significant role in our failure to fulfill this command. I have never heard anyone say, yes, I saw they needed help, but I didn't feel like it. But we are all guilty of intentionally not seeing those in need, as if this somehow negates our responsibility. We must resist the temptation to duck down the alley. We need to meet not avoid people and their needs. At times, we must put our own needs on the back burner. This is not done slavishly, by compulsion, but heartily, out of gratitude. We must also avoid playing the game of hide-and-seek with our Christian family. Often people who truly need assistance, intervention, or just an encouraging word stroke their self-pity by thinking, Well, if they can't see I'm hurting, they mustn't care, so why should I tell them? Implicit in Paul's command is that we are to both take and receive the comfort that is ours in abundance in Christ. The structure of the church provides an often ignored opportunity. This opportunity comes because a church meets as a group we are called to place ourselves in physical proximity with one another. This is just one of the reasons that the Church of the Air TV is a deficient notion. The members never know each other or connect in any way at all. The primary purpose of coming together is to worship God, but this group structure serves many other purposes as well providing encouragement, support, accountability, and a physical confirmation of belonging to God's kingdom. The world recognizes the value of this concept and utilizes it with great success. Those in the midst of change need to affirm publicly their thankfulness for victory over sin. They also need to be part of a group that will keep them accountable. This is not primarily the responsibility of a biblical counselor, but of the church. The counselor must direct his counselee to seek out a good, solid, biblical church, not only for the whole counsel of God provided through steadfast exegetical preaching, but also for accountability and acceptance in the struggles of life. We need to be helped, or lifted up, when we stumble not left to flounder on our own. We shouldn't always think that we have to send our people to one of the anonymous groups. We have everything they have and more. We can keep people accountable and do so on the basis of the word of God. The church must learn that its ministry is not only preaching and worship services, but also the mutual encouragement and edification of one another. The scriptures are replete with such commands. In fact, a quick tally shows more commands for one another ministry than for the pastoral side of the church's ministry. Recently I had the privilege of helping a young man recognize the necessity of personal commitment to Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. While we were talking afterward, he said that he wanted to tell me something. He told me that I intimidated him. This wasn't the first time I had been told that, so it didn't surprise me. But I was surprised that this young man, with whom I had been so careful not to do anything that would push him away from Christ, would say it. I asked him why he felt intimidated. He said he felt overwhelmed by someone who got up early in the morning, had a full day of work and other activities, and continued working until late in the night. Reflecting on his comment, I realized that I often spoke about my rigorous schedule. Was my speaking about it encouraging others to a more disciplined and productive life, or was it instead pushing them in the other direction? Was there a way I could encourage better time usage without provoking the human tendency toward comparison and despair? This man had the courage to confront me. I could have defended my schedule. In fact, I could have urged it on him. Instead, I accepted what he had to say and thought about it. I realized that unless what I say can be a real encouragement to others in this area, I should be silent. Most important, this young brother in Christ took a risk in telling me something that I needed to change, perhaps a pride in certain accomplishments that may have been causing others to stumble. Often we don't realize that interactions such as this are God's tools used to mold us into the Christ-like people he wants us to be. We don't often take criticism well because by nature we are self-protective. By nature we guard ourselves from insult and injury. By nature the person we want to promote is the Lord Self, not the Lord Jesus Christ. Our sinful natures notwithstanding, Christians must learn to receive confrontation regarding harmful or sinful traits and habits. We can do this only when we understand that we don't have to protect ourselves. In fact, if we truly desire to become like Christ, we must not protect ourselves. That would be like a surgical patient protecting himself from his competent and caring physician by refusing to expose his wound, saying, but he'll touch what is hurting me. Some people say, I'm perfectly willing to be confronted by God through the scriptures, but not by him, her. Thank you very much. Well, yes, seeing one's errors while reading or hearing the word is less publicly embarrassing, and God in his mercy does use this channel often in the lives of believers. But he also sometimes chooses to use fellow sufferers and sinners to do his good purpose as well. The best people to help are those who know us best. Do we avail ourselves of that help? Do we indicate that we want to grow and change? Or do we give off signals that say, I've arrived. That's all, folks. Imagine what it would be like if everyone who knew by observation or relationship and cared for you told you something about yourself of which you were not aware there would be numerous areas for growth and change. Do it. Ask the question and then listen to the answers. Certainly there will be some pain in the self-discovery, but nothing close to the pain of being a stunted Christian. The payoff is tremendous. A life more closely conformed to Christ. The best person to help others become like Christ is that person who himself is becoming more and more like Christ. Do you want to be used in many people's lives for growth, restoration, and strengthening? Begin with yourself. People are touched when others open up to the Spirit of God and in turn open up to the church. As a body, they stop hiding and instead seek to include others in the freedom they now have in Christ. Sometimes Christians hesitate because they have been harmed before. It seems safer to stay out of the line of fire, but this is a faulty strategy. The line of fire is also the lifeline. The obstacles, self-protection, apathy, discouragement, and strife are difficult to overcome, but not impossible. A biblical church is a living body willing to listen to the hurts of others, even as it acknowledges hurts of its own. Not all hurt and pain can be eradicated in the Lord's Day preaching. Church members need to be sensitive to the needs of others, seek ways to comfort the hurting, acknowledge their own sins, and be willing to confront and be confronted. When that happens, a church is built up. Wherever church members are part of a biblical counseling ministry, they are seeing their churches revitalized as individuals live out biblical truths, and thus the words of John are fulfilled. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. 1 John 4, 10 and 11